The Welsh Wire, where talent and business connect in West Michigan. The Welsh Wire features moderator Mike Rogers and professional recruiting expert Sherry Welsh in this weekly podcast. Listen in as leaders from a wide array of small to mid-sized West Michigan companies weigh in and share their experiences and insights on a variety of business topics, including employee retention challenges and recruitment success stories. Hi, this is Mike Rogers with another great Welsh Wire conversation. Now, here's Sherry Welsh. Hello and welcome back to the Welsh Wire. We're glad you joined us today for our edition of the Welsh Wire produced in cooperation with our friends at the Family Business Alliance in Grand Rapids. We're so glad to have as our special guest today, Patrick Miles, who's an attorney with Barnes and Thornburg in Grand Rapids. Patrick, welcome to the Welsh Wire. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. So glad to have you with us. Patrick, tell us a little bit first about Barnes and Thornburg. Tell us about the firm. Barnes and Thornburg is a national law firm. We have over 18 offices nationwide, from Los Angeles to Dallas to Atlanta to New to DC to New York City to Chicago, uh, as well as Grand Rapids, uh, Ann Arbor, and Metro Detroit area. So we have over 700 legal professionals. And our expertise, uh, particularly in our Michigan offices, are corporate business law, litigation, construction litigation, real estate, uh, estate planning, client services, agriculture, aviation law, labor and employment law, environmental law, white collar uh, crimes and investigations, and Native American law, and a few others that I've probably forgotten, but uh, we <laughs> have a broad spectrum of practice areas covered uh, here in Michigan and, of course, nationally. That's fantastic. Yeah, that is a wide spectrum that you cover. It sounds like there's probably nothing that you can't do to help family businesses in West Michigan, that's for sure. Well, that is definitely true. Uh, we help businesses of all sizes, uh, family-owned, privately held to larger publicly uh, traded companies, uh, we help startup companies. We try to be a partner with our clients. We try to provide practical solutions uh, so that they can achieve their goals. Lawyers are very good at saying no and telling clients <laughs> no. That's the easy answer. Uh, but we take pride in being more creative than just saying no, but we take pride in finding solutions uh, to the client's objectives and problems uh, so that they can get where they want to go in their in their business. That's outstanding. And Patrick, tell us a little bit about you. How long have you been with the firm and what are the areas that you have specialized in in your career as an attorney? I joined Barnes and Thornburg in the Grand Rapids office after I left my post as the United States Attorney for the Western District of Michigan in 2017. And I've practiced law here in Grand Rapids for almost 30 years, and my practice area is business law, uh, all types of contracts associated with businesses, mergers, acquisitions, startups, joint ventures. Uh, I also have an expertise in women-owned and minority-owned business uh, certification and formation and financing. Uh, I also do, after being U.S. attorney, which is when you're the chief legal officer for the area, as well as the chief federal uh, criminal uh, prosecutor, 
Uh, I've got an expertise now in internal investigations uh, for companies, helping them with those, as well as compliance and staying out of trouble, frankly, uh, with uh, government officials. Right. That's, that's my practice. Good. Wide array of skills and experiences you have to bring. Today, you want to share with us a little bit about your thoughts about developing a board of directors. For a lot of family-owned businesses where the ownership is closely held, it's you know passed down through generations, um, that seems like the board of directors would be something that we can just take care of within the family and we're all good. But you've got some thoughts about that and why a family-owned business, privately held company, might want to develop a board of directors. Tell us your thoughts on that, Pat. Right. Publicly held companies definitely have outside directors, right? And they bring in a variety of different people and they're trying to tell the market, we've got these experts on our board and that lends credibility and so forth. Probably how you mentioned with family owned businesses, uh, they don't need to go outside. If, If they don't want to, they can certainly choose to keep that control within the family. But in my experience, it is advisable to add outside directors to a family-owned business for the following reasons. You can always, if it's in essence, buy expertise, right? You can buy legal expertise, financial expertise, accounting, tax expertise, but it's very difficult to buy strategic vision and strategic thinking and, and in your so industry and in the industry that you're in as well. And people who understand your industry and can bring a different and broader perspective to the board table. And so that's why I think it makes sense if you want to have somebody with a legal background, but they think strategically, or someone with a finance background, but they think strategically, or they have particular knowledge of your industry, uh, or another person who's an industry expert, or in a similar or comparable industry, that type of thinking can be extremely useful uh, to a family-owned business. It seems like that's a really important consideration if you want to grow your organization significantly uh, and you want to bring some of that expertise in to help develop strategy. That seems like a really good plan to consider. So what kind of factors should be considered if you think that you might want to bring in a board of directors? You know, how, how do you decide how to do that, why to do that, when to do it? Right. Well, there's a few factors that I would think would be very uh, important. One would be you want somebody, obviously, who fits well with the board and in terms of uh, the the direction that you're looking to go as a board and in terms of the strategic vision uh, that you're you're trying to set and maintain for the company. I think you also would look for somebody who's who's thinking is different. You know, families tend to think alike, right? Oh, that's so true. Yes. You have the same kind of experience, shared experiences, shared background, same shared cultural uh, from the area you're in and so forth. It's very helpful, I think, to bring someone who's got a different type of thinking uh, to the board table to expand the horizons and to really, you know, it's cliche, but think outside the box in the box that you're you're in to thinking as, as as a family. Right. I think you make a really good point with that, Patrick. That is so, so true. And, and not to say that that's a, you know, that's a horrible thing by any means, but we tend to just keep rinsing and repeating, doing the same thing over and over again if it works, right? Human nature. 
Of yeah, it is. So that is a great point. Well, that's very typical. And like I said, I think you, you really, when you're looking for potential board members, I think you're looking for not just good you know, technicians, but you're looking for yeah. somebody who's got a broader vision, who's thinking strategically, thinking long-term, and where your company fits in the marketplace and where it could potentially go in the market or in different markets. And so that's something I think that's very helpful. So again, somebody with uh, the experience in operations and or finance or legal or tax with that type of thinking can be extremely, extremely helpful to a board and to a company. Good. Does it ever make sense to, to look at bringing in uh, someone on your board of directors who maybe has experience in an industry where you think you might want to move or grow into, or someone who has experience in a different industry that may operate in the way you believe you need to change your operation to be successful? I mean, what are your thoughts about that? I think that's absolutely true. I think, for example, if, if your industry is in automotive, uh, but yet, of course, automotive is getting more into electronics and software and right. high-tech type of things, it would certainly be helpful to have somebody from that space on your board, right? Because they would understand uh, the direction of where technology is going in that area, uh, where it presently stands, where who are the competitors, what are the potential opportunities that, that this family-owned business might have in that space. And so, and likewise, if you're in a manufacturing space and maybe a different industry, but also they do manufacturing, could be helpful in terms of looking at their processes, their supply chain, their logistics, uh, where are they finding uh, the quality of labor that they need and so forth. And so I definitely think that that makes a lot of sense to, you don't have to be limiting to your particular industry. You can also look at people from other industries uh, to serve on your board. And that's very typical, again, in publicly held companies. Uh, very rarely do you see publicly held companies keep, uh, bringing people on their board who are from the industry that the, the company is in. They're definitely bringing in people from, from other industries as well to get that thinking in their boardroom as well. Right. And when we talk about different thinking and diverse thinking, it makes me think of diversity on your board of directors too. I mean, talk to us about the importance of diversity. I, I got to believe that that is an important thing to consider when it, putting together your board. It absolutely is an important thing to consider. Again, it goes back to the, uh, are we in a, a one way of thinking mode uh, as right. a board, as a family? versus getting people who might understand different cultures, uh, people from different backgrounds who might be customers, uh, and just bringing that different perspective to the board table is, is I think, extremely important. Uh, and, and that's a lot of uh, very good companies look for uh, diverse board members. They want to have that, that because they know they're going to get the best thinking uh, that's available when they're looking at people of different genders and different races and, and different cultures, they, they are able to, to really expand their thinking and broaden their understanding, which uh, nothing bad is going to come out of that. Absolutely not. Only good. Indeed. It sounds to me like there's a lot of work to be done on the front end 
when you're establishing that board of directors, some thorough research, probably interviewing a lot of folks, um, talking with some of your trusted advisors you have already for recommendations. I mean, there's a lot of work that goes into selecting the right people, but there's also some work on the front end from a compliance standpoint. Um, So tell us about that. Right. I, you know, again, from a compliance standpoint, the board is, is, is ultimately responsible for the company, its operations, and, and the way it conducts itself. And, of course, you want to have an ethical business, and you want to operate in an ethical way. And you want – and business people that I have worked with over the past three decades or so, they, especially in West Michigan, want to do the right thing. Oh, they, right. They don't, they don't want to cross the line uh, to get ahead. They want to stay within – the boundaries of the law and the regulations. And so, but, but you have to have an effective compliance program uh, in a company. It depends on the size of the company. You know, different companies of different sizes will, will need more or less complex compliance programs. Uh, but you want to make sure that your compliance program is covering areas from em- your employment, labor and employment uh, practices and policies and, and your personnel policies. Uh, your codes of conduct, uh, your, the way that uh, when something could be going wrong, gets reported, what's the system for that? Uh, is there a compliance office or a compliance officer? That, again, depends on the size of the company. Is that a place right. to go? Uh, and then ultimately, that channel should be separate from your legal department, from your finance department. Your channel should be directly from compliance to board. Uh, so you're getting unfiltered truth. Uh, essentially. And that will help on the back end if something does go wrong and then law enforcement agents are knocking at the door and subpoenas are being issued and they're trying to find, you know, what's going on. And if something did happen that was not right, one of the mitigating factors that federal prosecutors in particular will look at is, did you have an effective compliance program? And more importantly, did you actually, uh, implement it effectively, or did you just put it on the shelf? Did you have trainings uh, of employees that were understandable? Did employees understand how to handle an issue and how to report an issue? Uh, Did the board provide adequate resources for compliance? Uh, And is there a true board involvement in the compliance uh, program? In other words, are there regular reports to the board on compliance? This is something that the board really was paying attention to. Those will help mitigate any types of penalties and other types of uh, things that could negatively affect the company if there happened to be a prosecution resulting from, from the uh, investigation and the problems that, that uh, happened. Right, right. So important to get it right from the get-go. My guess is with your years of experience, Patrick, that you have probably helped a company or two go through this very process of setting up a board of directors in, in a family-run business. Can you show, names changed, of course, or left out to protect the innocent, but can you tell us a story of, of how, of your involvement in a, in a situation like that and the difference that it made for that operation? Yes, I definitely have seen that happen uh, in terms of uh, people who started companies and families that own businesses uh, and maybe own them for multiple generations, and they brought in uh, outside board members. They they have, like you mentioned earlier, they've done their due diligence and background. 
uh, into people they, they thought might make good additions to their board, through their networks and so forth. Uh, they brought them on. Uh, they made sure that the people that were coming on the board really understood the company, uh, the place that it is and the place that it's going. And, and we're, from a strategic standpoint, where it was looking to go, as well as the culture and values of, of the company and making sure that the board members were aligned with that and with, frankly, with the family, because ultimately right. the family you know, is in control as, as, as the shareholders. And they might even have a seat or two or more on the board. And, and so the family ultimately is going to provide the direction and be the beneficiaries of, of what's going on with, with the business. But you wanted to have, you want to have board members who are really actually adding value uh, and not just yes people. I, you know, I've, I've, candidly, I've seen that too. I've, I've seen where, uh, you know, the company owner just brought in some good buddies uh, who would just kind of rubber stamp. Uh, and it was kind of, you know, you serve on my board, I serve on yours. And I kind of think they were just kind of rubber stamping. And, you know, that, that just, it doesn't work well long-term. No, that's not what we're talking about here at all, right? Right. It just doesn't really create the added value and the, the benefits that it should when, when you get that type of a situation. You really could be doing so much better uh, and are so much better off when you do that. Right, right. You mentioned something um, a minute ago about the um, in the, the board of directors being helpful in like multiple generations. So I'm guessing that you may have seen situations where the board of directors was actually very helpful with succession planning and as family members retired and younger family members came into the business and sort of carrying forth the strategy, the mission and the vision of the organization consistently through generations. Is that another advantage that helps it absolutely is because I have seen, in my experience, board members be mentors to some of the next generation uh, as they're coming into the company, coming into the business. Uh, and then, again, these family dynamics come into play, as we all know, with succession planning, you know, the, the issues with the parents and the children and, and then the siblings and how they interact and relate to one another and, and maybe even uh, even if you've got cousins involved and that sort of thing. So it actually is a nice buffer, frankly, to have yeah, an out- almost a stabilizer, right? I mean, through, ch- through change and family yeah. dynamics, there's a, there's a stabilizer with that board. Absolutely. And so the, the, the board members can play a, a great role with that in terms of, of the next generation uh, as well. And, and being a conduit uh, from the current generation to the next generation. Uh, that that actually is a role that can be played too, and and sometimes it's a bridge. Right, right, right. Good point. Great. Well, Patrick, it has been great to hear your thoughts on creating a board of directors for your family-owned business. Terrific insight. Great advice. If our listeners want to get in touch with you and learn more about this process or what you do, or they have questions about what they heard, what's the best way for them to reach you, Patrick? Two ways. They can, of course, uh, look at the Barnes & Thornburg uh, Law Firm website, which is www.dtlaw.com. Or you can, of course, email me at patrick.miles at dtlaw.com. Wonderful. Thank you so much for being our guest today on The Welsh Wire. 
Patrick. We're very thrilled to have Patrick Miles, attorney with Barnes and Thornburg in Grand Rapids, as our guest on this production in cooperation with the Family Business Alliance. Thanks so much for joining us today, Patrick. My pleasure, Sherry. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to The Welsh Wire. We hope you'll join us for the next episode. For more information, visit welshandassociates.net.